Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We've been in a series entitled Love and Logic. Love and Logic, we've been having fun doing that. Uh, We're going to conclude that series today, but get ready for next week. Next week's going to be awesome. Uh, We're going to start a new series called For the One uh, that's going to take us right. I'm getting some ringing up here pretty bad. Uh, That's going to take us into uh, Easter. Anybody excited for Easter? I love Easter. Five of you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and five of you are excited. Awesome. Anybody excited for Easter? Okay, that's better. Um, I get pretty excited. Look, I love coming to church all the time. I love Sundays. I love seeing people. I love ministering to people. Um, I love what God does through the worship and through the preaching of the word. Uh, but man, there's something just special about Easter. And so, man, we're going to gear up for that. We're going to get ready for that. And we're just going to celebrate Jesus. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Amen. Amen. But turn in your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, uh, to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, as I mentioned, we're in a Love and Logic series, and we've been spending the whole entire month in uh, this, this portion of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, just talking about love. And uh, it's been a pretty, pretty incredible series. Anybody getting anything out of it? You're learning something? All right, me too. Amen. Uh, but I'm excited to conclude that today, and I want to talk to you about uh, this idea that love never ends. Love never ends. Ends. Love never ends. First Corinthians, a book in the New Testament, once again written by Paul, uh, the apostle. I'm still getting some pretty bad ringing. I don't know if you're still working on that, but it's ringing bad up here. Um, written by uh, Paul, the apostle, wrote two thirds of the New Testament, had a lot to say, uh, some really good stuff to say. And, uh, and this is probably one of his greatest expositions right here on love in all of the Bible. Uh, once again, Paul is writing from this, uh, this, this idea or this thought of what's taking place in Corinth at the time. What's taking place in Corinth at the time is believers are at odds with one another. Uh, they're taking each other to court. Uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine coming on Sunday morning, sitting here, and the guy next to you is taking you to court over something? Not fun. You're like, well, actually, that's happening, Pastor. No. Um, not fun, right? in Corinth, they're, they're at odds with one another. There's bickering, there's complaining, there's fighting, there's arguing, there's things going on. And Paul hears about this and sees the, the discord and the lack of unity within the church of Corinth. And he says, you know what, I need to address this. And so he begins to address it. And one of the greatest ways he addresses it is right here in 1 Corinthians 13, um, uh, when he talks about this idea of love. And what we've discovered over the last several weeks is that that love, in order for it to be practical, has to be logical, right? That love plays out in a very logical manner. It plays out in a very logical way. Um, But on the flip side of that, if all we do is have logic within the church and no love, Paul says some things about that, and he says that's not gonna work. That's not how we're gonna change the world. That's not how we're gonna win people to Jesus Christ. And so let's talk this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Gonna read the whole thing to you once again, starting in verse one. And it reads, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here's what he says. This is love. Love is patient. Amen. Love is kind. Love does not envy it. 
is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. And if you missed last week's message, I suggest you go on podcast it as we dove in and talked about these things. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Woohoo! Amen. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, and by the way, love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. For languages, they will cease. For, as for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment because uh, there is a segment or a group in the church that would say that, because that, right before this is 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, that, that many of the gifts of the Spirit died off with the apostles, okay? But, but when we read on, what we discover is that that's not accurate and that's not true. Now, look at what 1 Corinthians 13 says here. It says that one day prophecy will cease, Okay, but look at what it says. But as for now, what am I going to do? I'm going to prophesy in part. Might only be part, all right? But we're going to use the gifts of the Spirit as seen in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to exercise them according to the grace of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit, such as took place this morning in worship. When I got up here today in worship, I just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit that there is somebody in here today that is struggling with the idea of love from a father, okay? And so some of you might be new to this and be like, what was that all about? Like, is he psychic? No. <laughs> all right. Far from it. Well, what was happening right there? Well, what was happening was seen in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is a word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? That is something given by God or by the Holy Spirit to someone for somebody else. Uh, one thing you're going to see about the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll study later this year, is that all of the gifts of the Spirit aren't for the individual, but they're for the, the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. And so if I get a word of knowledge, such as happened this morning in worship, and God begins to speak to me and says, hey, Ben, there's somebody here uh, this morning that's really struggling through that song, and they're having a hard time seeing it because they're struggling with the love of a father. And I just keep it to myself. It really does nobody any good, does it? And so when those things happen, the gifts of the Spirit are to be expressed to build up and to encourage. Now, we don't know the full context. We don't know everything. But what we do see here is Paul saying, hey, look, the, the prophecy, the, you know, those, those, you're going to know it in part. And go ahead and prophesy in part right now. But guess what? Check this out. When Jesus Christ comes back, when the perfect one comes, come on, are you with me? The partial will come to an end. Verse 11. When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. I love this part of this passage. Basically what Paul is saying to the, the church at Corinth is this, he's saying, guys, stop acting childish, okay? Stop behaving like, like a, a, a nine and a 10-year-old, grow up. Grow up, show some maturity, begin to love one another. But when I became a man, I, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And then he puts a punctuation on it. But the greatest of these is love. Let me read it again. These three things remain, and they should be in the church, faith, hope, and love. 
Man, we walk by faith, not according to our natural eyesight. This is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We don't walk according to our feelings. We don't walk according to what we see. We walk by faith according to what God's word has declared to us. Amen? Faith, hope, where's our hope? Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the work that he did on the cross. That's why uh, what the Bible says that uh, the hope in Jesus, it's the anchor of our soul, right? It's the, the hope of what Jesus Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen, we hope in that. But here's the way this all plays out on earth, and it's so essential, is how we love one another. Love. Man, you can have tons of faith, and you can hope all day in Jesus Christ, but if you don't have love, if you're not walking it out in love, people will peer in at the community and say, man, what's up with that church? There's no love. The Bible says they will know we are believers, we're Christ followers, because of the love that we have for one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray in the next few moments, God, that you would speak to us on this idea that love never ends. Would you teach us from your word now, I pray. And God, I pray that as we leave this place, Lord, that we would leave uh, just focused on you and focused on your goodness and focused on your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Love never ends. We've talked about a lot of things through this series, but, but this idea that love never ends. I remember my first love. Does anybody remember their first love? And nobody wants to raise their hand because you may be married to this person now and that wasn't your first love, right? Well, we honest in here, right? I remember my first love. Now, my first love had dark, flowing hair, brown eyes. Man, she could captivate anybody that was there. I mean, she was so full of wisdom, so full of life. I mean, people just sat there and wanted to listen to her. I mean, she was full of wisdom. And I'll never forget, man, the first time she came over and put her hand on my shoulder and looked at me and said, Benjamin, do you have a question? The way she would lay out those mats on the floor for all of us to take naps. And then I left kindergarten and went to first grade. And I left behind my first teacher, Mrs. Kowalski, right? My first love right there in kindergarten. I mean, you know, like, wow, she's amazing, right? But I learned something very quickly when I went from, from, from kindergarten to first grade that love ends. Are you with me? Or at least what I thought was love. My perception of love, my idea of what love is, ended. Now, now I, I say that jokingly, but here's the reality of life is that all of us have lived through some stuff, been through some stuff, dealt with some stuff, had some relationships, and because of our experiences, because of those relationships, because of those things we've walked through, we have an idea of what love is. And so when we read 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul makes a statement, love never ends, we say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I know, I know you're saying, Paul, that love never ends, but you know what? My parents were married, and they said they loved each other, and they stood at an altar and took a vow, but guess what? They got divorced. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Love looks like it ends to me. I, Paul, I don't know what you're talking about because I was married, and my spouse cheated on me and is now with the person they cheated on with, and you know what? I, I know what you're saying, love, but you know what? In my, my world, love ended. I don't know what you're talking about. I got, I got some really close friends that said they love me. They said they'd stick with me, man, be with me through thick and thin. But you know what? Where are they at now? Love ended. 
Paul, I don't know what you're talking about. I was dating somebody, and he said he loved me, but then he took advantage of me. I don't even know where he's at now. Love ended. Love ended. See, when we read this, it gets our attention real quick, doesn't it? Because from our frame of work, from our frame of reference, we read it, and we're like, well, it's the Bible, so I guess it's true. But yet it doesn't feel true. But guess what? It didn't feel true to them either. They're supposed to be a Christian community. They're supposed to be dwelling together in harmony. They're supposed to be building the church together. And here they are at odds with one another. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen before. It's one thing for somebody that does not know God to betray you, right? Well, they don't know Jesus. They're, you know, they just... But if you've ever had a close Christian friend betray you, don't raise your hand. It hurts. It doesn't make sense. This mind can't wrap around that because, wait a second, no, we're doing this thing. Aren't we supposed to, like, brotherly love? Like, we're supposed to be together. Like, what's happening right now? And it, there's a conflict inside of us. They say, Paul, you, you must be talking about, about something different. And Paul's like, you're right. I am talking about something different. And we talked about this through the series, the four different types of love, that too often times, we come with an eros kind of love. This is one of the, the loves we see in the Bible, this eros kind of love. And eros is this. Eros is a self-serving, self-seeking kind of love. It's I'm doing this because it's good for me, right? I'll do that as long as it serves some of my needs. I'll be in this relationship as long as it promotes me or helps me. I'll, I'll take this position as long as it, are you with me? And Paul says it's, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. The kind of love we're talking about is agape love, which is a self-sacrificing love, which is a love that, that sacrifices everything I am to minister to everyone else. It's agape. It's agape love. And when Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13, if you study out the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, every time it's used, it's agape, it's agape, it's agape, it's agape, agape, agape. So in other words, he's saying, hey, listen, guys, this agape love, true agape love, it never ends. I came across this statement this week that said, true love, you ever heard this statement before? True love has happy endings, right? The statement said this, true love does not have happy endings because true love never ends. Never ends. Never ends. And Paul begins to address them, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit today. Because we come in with this filter, we come in with our experience that says, man, I don't know, I've had a broken heart before. Uh, I've had someone betray me before. I've had someone leave me before. And you know what? I, I hear what you're saying, but for me, it feels like love, love ended. Love ended. But this, this love, this love that exists, this love that Paul is talking about, this love that he's saying, now listen to me. He's saying this is the kind of love that should exist in a biblical community. He's not saying the biblical community is perfect. How many of you guys know this, the, the biblical community is not perfect? Right, a few of you, all right? Just look at the person next to you and be reminded. Oh, yeah, that's right. Not perfect, right? Think back to the conversation you have with your spouse on the way to church. Come on, somebody, right? No, we're, we're not perfect. And that's not what Paul is saying. Paul's not saying that a biblical community is a perfect community. 
He's saying that within a biblical community, there will be things that arise. There will be offenses that happen. There will be disappointments that happen. There will be broken trust. There will be a, a misunderstanding or whatever. But here's what happens with inside. Because they have this agape love, because they have this kind of love, guess what they do? They get to work and they work things out. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's the, that's the, kind, of, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That, not only that, that's the kind of marriage I want to be in. Man, I thought I'd hear more married people say amen, right? <laughs> Don't want to say it too loud, right? That's the kind of marriage I want to be in. Because th then my vows meant something, for better, for worse. We, you know, in today's modern, so we should probably just take the for worse part out, right? Do you, do you promise to stay together for better, for better? Yeah. What about worse? Mm. Right? Love never ends. Let me just give you a few things here real quickly. Agape love, this love that saying, hey, this should exist in a church community. This is the way you ought to walk together. This love never ends, and here's why it never ends. Because agape love never ends because it's a motivation, not an emotion. It's a motivation, not an emotion. Or, or we could put it this way, it's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Agape love is not an emotion. Eros love, one of the other loves we talked about, that's an emotional love. But the love that Paul is saying here needs to exist in the church, man, it's, it's a choice. And throughout the whole entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is driving home one point. Guys, it's not about what you're doing. Man, because you know what? Prophecy is going to end. It doesn't matter if you speak with the tongues of men or the tongues of angels. Man, it doesn't matter if you go and give everything to the poor. Those are really good actions, and that's really great. But, but what we need to do is you need to go back to what's motivating you. And if what's pushing you and driving you to, to give to the poor and meet the needs of others and, and to, to share the gifts of the Spirit, if it's not grounded, if it's not rooted in love, guess what? You're missing the point. Love's got to be the driving force. Love's got to be the motivation. It's love. That's what he talks about. Not just having these actions, but, but, but genuine love, agape. I remember, you know, when I first got married almost 19 years ago, we'll celebrate 19 years of marriage this summer. Amen. How she put up with me that long, I don't know. Love must be blind, right? But 19 years. But I can honestly say after 19 years of marriage, that when I stood at that altar and I looked her in the eyes and I said I loved her, I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> I was not looking at her with 19 years of, of experience. I was looking at her like, you are a hot 21-year-old and I'm madly in love with you. Got to be honest, Right? And thank God for the emotions. Thank God that's there. Thank God that God blinds you long enough to really discover what love is all about. Right? You're just sitting there like, oh, yeah, for better, for worse. I love you. And then like five minutes later, you're like, right? Like, whoa, whoa, right? But I can honestly say now, after nine, nearly 19 years of marriage, that I, I'm, I'm starting to understand what unconditional love looks like. Just now, after 19 years, I'm, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to be like, oh, 
okay, yeah. And hopefully after another 19 at our 38th, I'll finally get it. Are you with me? See, it's easy to stand there and say you love somebody when everything looks beautiful, when everything's working perfectly, when the beautiful white dress is on and the veil and the makeup and had her hair professionally done. And it's like, wow, I love you. Are you with me? But when there's conflict with somebody, that's, that's really hard to sit there and say, I, oh, 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 hmm, right? Hmm. My old pastor used to say this, look, the Bible tells me I have to love you, but I don't have to like you, <laughs> right? I love you because I, I, like, I just don't like you right now, right? Love. But love never ends because love is not an emotion. Emotions end. As a matter of fact, emotions change daily. Emotions change hourly, right? Emotions change. And if all we're doing is, oh, I love you guys. Church is awesome. Worship great. Yay. Paul's saying, wait, wait until you have to work some things out. It's not an emotion. Matter of fact, I love this. John 3, 16. Right? Y'all know what it says, right? No? You just know you see it at a football game, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. Why? So that you and I could have life. Amen. Have life more abundantly. What is that? That's a motivation. That's a choice. God's loved you so much. He said, I'm going to give my son. And the son was like, can we ask a few questions here real quick? Right? Jesus came and sacrificed himself for God so loved the world. I don't know about you, but I love the words in the Bible. He didn't say God loved the world. He said God so loved the world. He was so motivated by the love. He was so just radically infatuated and in love and just he loves you so much. And I love them so much that I'm going to do this for them. That's so, man, that, that's, that's the creepy kind of love, Right? The other morning, I was just reminded of this. The other morning, I, was, I woke up, and I tend to wake up a little bit earlier than my wife. And, and so I was just laying there because I, she doesn't like it when I grab a book and start reading because she said it wakes her up. And so I saw I'll just lay here for a minute. I was praying, and I looked over at my wife, and I thought, man, I love this woman so much. I thought, man, she is so beautiful. I'm just sitting there staring at her. And all of a sudden, she opens her eyes. She's like. <laughs> Any married couples know what I'm talking about? She's just kind of like. What are, you, what are you doing? I was just like, I'm just staring at you, baby. She's like, why? I'm just like, because I love you so much. It's the creepy kind of love, right? That's your heavenly father, man. He just, you sleep and he's just like, that's my baby. I'm my child, right? He's just staring at you. He loves you that much. It's a motivation. It's not, not, not an emotion. Secondly, love never ends because it's rooted in Christ, not ourselves. This love that Paul is talking about, it never ends because it's rooted in Christ, not in us. Because in us, it's the Eros kind of love. I'm in it as long as it's good for me. But the love that we have for one another in a biblical community, the love that the rest of the world should learn from and peer in and say, wow, there's something different about the church. 
It's this agape love. It's this love that's rooted and grounded in Christ, not ourselves. How much did Christ love us? So much that he died on the cross for us. And the Bible says no greater love has anyone than this, and he lays down his life for somebody else. It is easy to love somebody else when you are rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. It really is. It is difficult. When your roots are not in Christ, it can be difficult. The reason we can love others is because we have a lover who loves us unconditionally. We gotta be rooted. Check this out, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says this. It says, for this reason, this is Paul writing again. He's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit and that the Messiah, Jesus, may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. Amen? We've got to be rooted in the love of Christ. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love, Jesus' love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What an amazing scripture. Check this one out. 1 John 4, 20 says this, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother he has seen, cannot love the God he has not seen. Wow. But man, if we flip that and we say, man, I love God, and I'm rooted in God, and I'm rooted in the love of Christ, man, it's easy to love my brother, not just in the easy moments. Amen? Amen. This love never ends because it's rooted and grounded in Christ, and lastly, this love never ends because God is love. God is love. First John 4 verse 8, tells us the one who does not love does not know God. Listen to it now. Because God is love. God is love. Love is not just something God does. Love is not just something God has. Love is something God is. Therefore, when Paul writes, hey, love never ends. Listen to it now. As for prophecies, when Jesus comes back, those are going to stop. As for reaching out to the needy, when Jesus comes back, that's going to stop. As for all these other things, when Jesus comes back, the perfect comes back, those things are going to stop. But there is one thing that will never cease. There is one thing that will never stop that we are to operate in right now, and that is love. Because the day you get to heaven and you stand before your heavenly Father, you are going to be looking love eye to eye. Love will not end when we go to heaven. No, we will be in the very presence of love, and we will know his love unconditionally and forever and ever. Amen. God is love. So when Paul says, guys, listen to me, if you want to change the world, if you, want to, if you want to transform the culture, if you want to transform society, listen, have faith, man, and walk it out boldly. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ and keep it there firmly. Minister with the best of them. But listen to me, all of our preaching, all of our teaching, all of our small groups, everything we do on a Sunday morning, getting here at seven o'clock in the morning to set up, staying late to tear down, it means nothing if it is not grounded and rooted and motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's got to be motivated by love. And that is the very core of Canvas Church. 
The very core of Canvas Church is we want to be an access point for people to discover Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we do really cool outreaches, although we will. That doesn't mean we have super awesome small groups, although we do. That doesn't mean we have one of the best preachers in San Diego in my wife, but it means this. It means that we know how to love first and foremost one another, and we know how to love a world that so desperately needs to know him. Amen. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.